You're listening to the Hippie Haven podcast, where we have honest conversations about how easy and sometimes how hard it can be to save the planet and why it's so important. If this is your first time listening, welcome. My name's Callie. I'm a zero waste activist and consultant, the founder of Bestowed Essentials, my line of ethical and eco-friendly lifestyle products, and I travel full-time around the United States in my camper van, hence my blog name, ahippieinavan.com, which is where you can go to learn more about me, this podcast, and all the work I do. My mission is to inspire you to take action, because the planet needs our help now more than ever, and I truly believe that together, we can make a difference. Have you heard of Olio? Olio is an app that connects neighbors with each other and with local businesses, so surplus food can be shared, not thrown away. They are the biggest food sharing network in the world, with over 800,000 downloads of their free app in over 30 countries, with more than 1.2 million portions of food shared since they launched in 2015. Today I'm chatting with one of the co-founders, Sasha Celestial One, on how Olio grew from an idea into a marketplace, saving thousands of food items every single week. We also talk about the global food waste crisis, and how each of us, as an individual, can reduce the food waste in our home and in our community to help fight one of the biggest crises the world faces today. So when I first emailed about doing an interview, your co-founder Tessa was like, oh, you should talk to Sasha. Her parents are hippies in Iowa, and she'd be the perfect person to talk to. So tell me a little bit about your hippie background. Um, okay, no problem. So my... Um Usually I have to reveal that quite early in a conversation because my last name is Celestial One, um, which is a name that I did not give myself. My parents made it up and put it on my birth certificate. Um, so they gave, I'm the oldest of six children, um, and we all have sort of different names. Um, mine is definitely the most original. They got the bit tamer as they got, as, as the years went on. Um, we were all born at home. Uh, my mom and my aunt were both midwives, and we were pretty much kept out of the, the uh, sort of professional healthcare system for most of our lives. Um, I've never been vaccinated, um, for example, um, which was, um, you know, my mom was just uh, always, I think, kind of a bit suspicious about um, all of that. Um, I was pretty much, I mean, I'm a lifelong vegetarian. I was raised as a vegetarian, pretty much raised as a vegan until... I was um, in my teenage years, so they're really into organic and um, new, um, whole foods. They started a, my parents started a um, cooperative called Frontier Natural Herbs, which is a big wholesaler of um, herbs and spices and coffees and teas and uh, aromatherapy products. Um, so lots and lots of stuff. I went to 13 Grateful Dead concerts by the time I was 13. Every summer we were on the road following the dead around. Um, so you name it, the, the, the abuse stereotype, I probably, I probably experienced it. Um, it was a wonderful childhood, um, very untraditional, um, and um, I have lots of fun memories. That's incredible. I've heard of your parents' brand. I just, I had no idea that there was that connection there. That is so cool. Yes, yes, it's, it's, it is um, the largest. My parents founded the company. My dad then retired, I don't know, about 15 years ago. Um, but it's based in Iowa, where I'm from, and it carries on and I believe is the largest seller of organic herbs and spices in the world. Yeah, I've actually, I, I purchased through them for some of my own business. Ah. So what a, what a small world. So what is Olio? Olio is, um, well, um, it's a free app. Um, 
or, or platform really, because it can be used not just on your smartphone, but on a desktop. Um, and it's super simple. It connects people with who have food or household items that they don't want anymore with people living in the immediate community who would be happy to um, either eat that food or take those items off their hands. Everything shared on the platform is for free. And we're basically trying to connect communities so that our most precious resources, of which food is surely one, um, can be shared and not sent to landfill. And our mission is to unlock the value of food that is wasted in the home and local community, um, the nutritional value, the economic value, the social value, the moral value, and the environmental value. And where did the name come from? I typed into Google um, synonym for hodgepodge, and oleo came up right away. Um, and oleo is a, a miscellaneous assortment of things. Um, and Tessa, my co-founder, and I, we thought that it just, uh, we wanted a name that felt, um, um, you know, sort of sounds like food, but it sounds clean um, and appetizing. Um, we really liked that there were O's on either side, sort of representing the planet and the circular economy. It took us about five minutes to name the company, if I'm honest. Um, we, we, when we saw Olio, we sort of landed on it right away. How did the idea for Olio come about between you and your co-founder, Tess? Well, um, there's, there's um, the romantic story, um, which is totally true. And there's also the very practical story, which is equally true. So I'll tell both quickly. Um, we had worked together, and Tess and I grew up on a dairy farm. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I was raised by, by hippies. We both learned from our parents that nothing should go to waste and hate seeing um, you know, things of value thrown away. And so we bonded a long time ago when we first met at um, graduate school over our sort of shared passion um, for the environment. Um, but our personal forms of rebellion were to go and pursue the most sort of bulletproof corporate careers that you could. We both were management consultants and you know, we had we, we sort of had very similar paths um, and we spent a long time in the corporate world. But when we became mothers, um, our priorities changed, frankly, and um, we both started actively looking for something that we could do with our commercial skills and experience that would be more beneficial for society and the planet. Um, so we did actively start looking for an environmental challenge that we could tackle at scale, leveraging our experience and leveraging you know, technology. Um, and we, we, we really failed in that effort. We sort of spent three months looking globally at different waste streams and looking for opportunities or how we could bring technology and efficiency to um, increase recycling, or we looked at a number of different ideas. And um, we actually, at the end of that sort of search, we were both feeling really blue um, that we hadn't identified something we wanted to do. And I can remember very clearly at the same time Tessa had a newborn, she went upstairs to, to feed and put her baby down when she came back downstairs, she said, well, I did have this one idea. And she went on to explain how she had been moving house, moving back from Switzerland, where she was working with her, um, her, her past employer, um, to the UK. And on moving day, she had some food that she wasn't going to be able to eat, including some beautiful, non-perishable sweet potatoes and cabbages. And she had assumed she could put them in her moving boxes, but the removal men were very strict. They said, absolutely not. Uh, she wasn't going to let that happen. So she bundled up her kids in the middle of winter and went out on the streets um, of Geneva and tried to find someone to give the food to. And um, she couldn't find anyone. Um, and she knew that was, when she went to, on to explain this story, it, it was just, it was one of those aha light bulb moments because of course there was someone who'd be happy to take this food. 
um, probably in her building. Um, but she didn't know her neighbors and she was too uncomfortable to go around knocking on doors. But mobile technology um, could easily provide that transparency at the local level and connect people um, efficiently. And so it was just like an immediate aha, we must build a platform to bring together people so that things don't go to waste. Um, and it was within the hour that we had named the company and decided to take a year out of our careers properly, um, put in part of our life savings and um, bring Oleo to life. And this was in 2015, correct? That was in February 2015. Yes. And what have you accomplished with Oleo since then? Way more than we ever thought we would. Um, I can remember that we said if we just have 10,000 people using our app to share food, we will have succeeded. Um, and now we have had uh, over 800,000 people download the app. Um, neighbors have met on the doorstep 300,000 times to share food successfully with each other. Um, and that's 1.2 million portions of food that have been shared between neighbors. So um, it's sort of from slow beginnings, from small beginnings, um, things have snowballed. Um, and that's the, the, the beauty of a sort of um, a network type of, of, of model in that for every person that joins Olio and shares, they make the whole experience better for everyone who was already there. Now we've done, um, we've grown through our grassroots volunteer program um, whereby people who want to see a sharing network take place in their community, we give them a toolkit, um, a step-by-step -step guide, marketing materials, you know, buddy them up with other people nearby, and they basically launch Oleo in their neighborhood in a volunteer capacity. Um, so in that way, they are then signing up um, their neighbors, and then some portion of their neighbors go on to sign up to become volunteers, and that's how we've managed to grow. That's awesome. That's one of my questions that I had further down, actually, but we should definitely talk about it now. So how can people, what are the various ways that people can support Oleo and help it grow besides just sharing food with their neighbors? What are those um, volunteer opportunities that are available? Your food waste heroes, I think that you call some of them. We Yes, yeah, so we have a few different types of volunteers. Um, it, it's not a very fun word, but marketplace is actually what Oleo is. Even though everything is shared for free, we are matching suppliers with people who are with demand. Um, and so um, we have volunteers who build out demand and we call them ambassadors. They're, we give those volunteers, for example, dear neighbor letters that they can put through their neighbor's doors, um, posters they can put up in local libraries and cafes and schools. Um, and they're building out the demand. And then we have food-based heroes, which are helping to build out the supply. Um, without getting too into the weeds, um, there is, there are two types of food that come through the app. About half the food is from the individual household. So whether I've simply over, you know, had a dinner party and I've got um, too much food or drink, or I, it's, um, you know, peak growing season and I've got, you know, mountains of um, tomatoes or something. Anyone who's got food in individual capacity can share it on the app. But then we also have individuals sharing food that was donated by a local food business or caterer or really anyone. Um, and those individuals are called food-based heroes. So we train them on how to safely collect and store and redistribute food through the app that 
that was donated by a local supermarket, deli, grocer, et cetera, et cetera. And they're helping to build out this fly. Um, and in any community, in order to get the flywheel spinning, you know, it's the old chicken and egg um, sort of gridlock. And um, what, what comes first in a marketplace is the supply. So if, if, if someone really wants to get oleo going in their community, the first thing they do in a food waste hero volunteering capacity is they will try and get local businesses on board to donate their food that they can't give to charity um, to the oleo community. They will then um, try and build up the local network of users by letting them know, hey, there's free food available, um, you know, join, go on, download the app and join. And many people, what they do is they, do they download the app first to get access to free food, but then through the process of meeting a neighbor um, and um, experiencing the sort of magic of sharing, they go from being someone who just withdraws from the marketplace to being someone who wants to give back, whether in a volunteer or personal capacity. There's other things they can do as well, though. They can share on social media. They can, you know, just getting people to join is, is fantastic. So let's talk about food waste. How serious of a problem is it? I would argue that food waste is one of the most serious problems facing mankind today. And that is um, um, for a lot of reasons. Um, so just to set the stage, um, 33 to 50% of all food that's grown or produced is never eaten. And it's not just the food that goes to waste, uh, all of the resources that went into making that food, um, the land. So an area the size of China and Mongolia put together is used to grow food every year that's never eaten. Um, the water, 25% of the world's fresh water supply, again, is used to grow food that's never eaten. Um, I mean, the energy, I mean, every which way you look at it, all of those resources go to waste as well. And obviously, one has to think about um, the opportunity cost of those resources if they had been diverted towards something, anything more productive for um, humankind than going, growing food that we're not going to eat. Um, it's really extraordinarily inefficient. Um, it's also just immoral. There are 800 million people living in food poverty um, in the world. And that's not just in the third world, in the US, for example, 40, mil 40 million people live in food poverty, which means that they're struggling to feed their families, they're skipping meals, um, and their food budget is of great concern. And often they have roofs over their heads and they have smartphones or access to the internet, um, but it doesn't mean that they're not struggling, quite literally living on the breadline. Um, Food waste from an environmental perspective is really bad. Um, if food waste were a country, it would be the third largest contributor to climate change after only the USA and China. And that's because when food um, goes to landfill and then it breaks down without access to oxygen, it converts into methane, which is a greenhouse gas 23 times more potent and deadly than carbon dioxide. Um, last year or the year before, a group of about 70 of uh, the world's leading climate science, um, scientists came together and they said, let's take a look, enough with the doom and gloom, let's try and figure out which solutions prevent us, present us with the best chance of course correcting um, the climate crisis. And um, they stack ranked a hundred different solutions and um, food waste came in as 
number third in terms of its impact if we could address it above, for example, solar panels and electric cars and many, many other things that we often think are the solution to um, the climate crisis. So whether it's from an environmental or a moral or um, sort of an inefficiency perspective, it's um, food waste is pretty horrific. And besides using oleo, how can an individual reduce their food waste? There are lots and lots of different ways. Um, a really easy, very simple trick that I tell people is to put an eat me tub right at eye level in the front of the refrigerator. So when they open the door, anything that needs to be eaten today um, or, you know, right away gets migrated into that tub so that it can't sort of lurk in the back of a, of a drawer um, and then unforgotten um, go to waste. Um, I think learning to cook is really probably one of the most important skills when it comes to reducing food waste. Unfortunately, it's harder um, for people to do sometimes later in life. So I really believe in childhood education with regard to cooking and teaching children how to use, um, use common sense about when to determine if food is still safe to eat. Um, you know, and not blindly following, following use by or sell by or best before dates. Um, shopping, it's, it's actually, the jury's out, um, but generally shopping on a sort of shop to order type of, um, in a shop to order type of fashion will lead to less um, food waste if you're only buying the things that you know you're going to use in the next day or so. Other things that people can do to reduce food waste is, um, besides cooking, I mean, there's freezing is a really, really helpful way to give food um, another chance of getting eaten in the future. Um, I use, my freezer is constantly, is totally full of, of leftovers and ingredients and herbs and spices and all different kinds of things. Um, in many parts of the world, um, a freezer or a large freezer is not a given. And in the US, we do tend to have um, larger, large freezers and can, do, and can do that much more easily. But in much of Europe, for example, freezers are only as big as, you know, you can't take very much at all. And so what are the guidelines for sharing food on Olio? And can you share things besides food? Yes. Yeah, so the first guideline is if you wouldn't eat it yourself, don't share it on the app. Basically, if it's edible, it belongs on oleo and not in the trash bin. So you can share opened items, um, you can share homemade food, you can share packaged and tinned products. Um, really, it's really, it's a very, it's a very self-selecting process. So we don't, we don't approve each listing, but people, believe it or not, don't request things that might not appeal to them. So it's a very, uh, um, um, you know, I guess, I guess people select things that are appetizing to them and people have very different opinions about um, what they will or will not take from, um, from a stranger. Um, what we do see is that when people are sharing in a local community is that you really get to know your neighbors. I mean, that's actually the main reason that people keep using Oleo um, because it's just super fun um, and it feels really good to meet other people in your community and to give them something of nutritional or other value. Um, we have a non-food section. Uh, we don't talk about it that much because um, you know people can share um, household items in lots of different ways. But specifically for household consumables, there isn't often there. There's often not a natural um, 
way to share that with someone else. So a really easy example is, you know, if I'm a redhead and I buy some fancy shampoo to keep my hair red and then I go back to my natural color or become blonde, like I really truly have no need for that half a bottle of shampoo for redheads. I can't take it to the thrift store. I can't, I'm not gonna put it on eBay. Um, so pop it on Oleo. Um, along with things like um, diapers that maybe your kid grows out of them if hopefully you're not, but if you're using disposable diapers, light bulbs for lamps you no longer have. There's all kinds of household consumable products that still have value um, that um, a neighbor might want even if you no longer do. And how does Oleo work with businesses like grocery stores and restaurants or even with events? The way we work with businesses or events is through our Food Waste Heroes program. So uh, if you're an event manager and you know that you're catering for 100 people and that the event is going to end at 8 o'clock and you're likely to have food that's still perfectly edible but isn't, is going to end up going to waste, you can contact Oleo on the day and we will arrange for a trained volunteer or multiple to come and take away the food. Those volunteers will redistribute the food within an hour of collecting it. And um, in that way, we're helping event organizers to have zero food waste events. With larger supermarkets and who may have, who, who will have food waste every single day that they're open, we will assign a permanent squad of food waste hero volunteers who come at the end of the business day and take whatever food remains unsold, but still edible. And again, they tend to live within biking or walking distance of the rest of, of, of the supermarket. Um, they take it straight home, add it to the app. Uh, in a place like London, the food is all gone within 20, 30, 40 minutes. It's very efficient. That is incredible. So what has your proudest moment been with Oleo so far? That's a very good question. Um, I, it's really, really hard to answer. I'm never very good at picking out singular moments um, for anything. There's two answers that spring to mind, so I'll cheat and give two. Um, one, last week we took our first team photograph with the full team. Uh, we are now 17 full-time employees completely dedicated to our mission. And just six, just three months ago, we were nine. So we have um, recently raised investment and that has enabled us to expand the size of the team and I just was an incredibly proud moment to realize that we have all these superstars working um, on our baby um, and believing in our idea and, and equally committed and passionate and crazy about saving the planet as we are. So that was really, really um, a heartwarming moment. But mostly it comes, my, my best moments happen every day when we get emails from people telling us what an impact Oleo has had on their lives. Um, some people write in to tell us about their personal circumstances and how, you know, sort of through no fault of their own, they've ended up in situations where they're homeless or they haven't eaten for days so they could feed their children and that they use the food that they collected on Oleo to create a nutritious meal and how grateful they are. And we have volunteers who tell us that they have found purpose in their life and meaning and that they were feeling depressed or were depressed and socially isolated and that through their role as a volunteer, they have really discovered a new sense of well-being. 
So the individual stories from our users and from our volunteers about the impact of Olio on their lives is absolutely the most rewarding part of this whole thing, um, for sure. That is a beautiful answer. What is next for Olio? What's your next big goal that you're hoping to achieve? <laughs> well, we have a publicly stated ambition of trying to get to 1 billion users within the next 10 years. And um, we figure that we might as well be bold. Um, we really, but, but, but between now and then, there's obviously a significant number of milestones. Um, as simple as it is, it really is just a matter of continuing to grow and spread the word as quickly as we can. Um, and that's um, everything that we that we do through, from our volunteers to our partnerships with um, supermarkets and food brands and event companies and local government. Um, you know, every every everything we the whole team of us does on a daily basis is um, to it, it is to grow the network um, of users using Olio. And um, yeah, I guess I guess the next really big milestone is a billion users. And um, every day in between is um, just sort of a a real. There's a real, we have a real sense of commitment that we can get to that scale. And the reason we need to get to that scale is not for any type of vanity or anything like that, but it's because by definition, when you have a dense network of users, then it facilitates the sharing of the items that are most often going to waste more efficiently. So I'll give you an example. Um, where I live in Crouch End in North London, where the app's been around the longest, um, and where every person in my community has signed up, I've got 12,000 people within a five-minute walk who have signed up to the app, I can literally share a lime or a quarter of a loaf of bread, and a neighbor will pop around and pick it up. And most food waste takes place, half of all food waste takes place in the home. And it's in small quantities, such as a quarter of a loaf of bread or half a pot of yogurt. And if we want to have the environmental impact that we do want to have, then we've got to find a way to facilitate the redistribution of food waste at where we're in the home in small quantities. And that's going to require as many people as possible to have the app because it just doesn't make sense to trek halfway across town for small quantities of food. But crossing the street, I think we can handle that. So that's why we want to get to so many users. Absolutely. I am so inspired by you saying that, that you have 12,000 users within a, a five-minute radius of each other. That is incredible. Um, my last question would be, I'm in the United States, and I have the app, of course. Um, and unfortunately, there's not as many users... Yeah, as many users in the United States as there is in the UK. Do you have any plans to expand or promote into the US more to focus some, some more marketing here in this area? Well, we are, um, we are working with our volunteers. I think we have about 14 volunteers in Berkeley and Oakland and California. Um, and that's sort of our test area. Um, and we, over the course of 2019, are, are, are sort of working closely to see if we can get things off the ground there. Unfortunately, um, I mean, I'd love to like wave a magic wand and get, you know, 10 million people in the US to download the app, but unfortunately it's not that easy. So um, eventually, absolutely, we will get there. Um, but it, 
in terms of us sort of opening an office in the U.S., for example, to focus on U.S. expansion, that's probably something that won't happen until 2020. That said, we see hundreds of neighbors successfully meeting on the doorstep every week in the U.S. to share food from Seattle to Berkeley to Florida, Texas, Iowa. Um, if someone wants to make food sharing happen in their community, it only takes about 10 hours worth of work before they can get enough people signed up that the app then will work. So please reach out to us and let, um, go to the volunteering section on our website. And uh, we have lots and lots of US volunteers who have um, built um, micro food sharing networks in their own neighborhood. And so we would encourage people to remember that small actions can lead to big change and that um, it's really up to each and every one of us to create the world that we want to live in. Um, and therefore, uh, rather than waiting for us to come to America, um, can go ahead and launch a Leo in their neighborhood themselves if they want. Most definitely. I'm going to be in the Rapid City, South Dakota area for the first few months of 2019. Um, and I'm already planning to sign up as a volunteer and hopefully get a program started there. But I know that I have a lot of listeners clustered in different areas throughout the United States, um, whether it's Seattle, Portland, uh, Kansas City, um, some towns in, what was it, Madison, Chicago, some towns in Indiana. So I would love to see those groups of people that are clustered together work together. This is kind of me calling out my listeners that live in those areas um, to work together and, and download the app and try to bring it to their neighborhood. So Sasha, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Hippie Haven podcast. Your support means the world to me. If you found value in today's episode, I encourage you to become a patron of the podcast. For just $5 a month, you can help me continue the educational work I'm doing here with all of my wonderful guests. And in return, I'll pick up a bag of trash in your honor. Visit patreon.com forward slash a hippie in a van to support this podcast. I also have an exclusive community for the podcast over on Facebook, so if you want to connect with me and other like-minded people, just type Hippie Haven in the Facebook search bar and join our group. Thanks again, and stay tuned every Wednesday for the next episode.